Teachers Supporting Teachers, the podcast sharing insights into being and becoming a teacher. I'm your host, Narelle Lemon, a professor in education at Swinburne University of Technology in Melbourne, Australia. I'm curious and I love to use this strength to find out more. So what better way to support others and to create this podcast to be able to gain insights and perspectives from colleagues and friends. This is Series 7 and I'm joined by five pre-service teachers who are currently undertaking a study tour and global practicum supported by the new Colombo Plan. We are recording as we are experiencing our time in Kaching, in Sarawak, Malaysia, Borneo. I'm so excited about this series, something a little different. So make a cup of tea and find a comfy place to sit or pop those earbuds in and go for a walk as you listen to Rachel, Lisa, Taylor, Steve and Lewis share their insights into and about being and becoming a teacher. capturing our experience on a study tour as future teachers in Kaching, Malaysia, Borneo. And this episode is hosted by the gorgeous Taylor. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Teacher Supporting Teachers podcast. My name is Taylor and I'm a final year pre-service secondary teacher from Swinburne University in Melbourne. I am currently in Sarawak on our Kuching study tour, so you might have heard me chime in over the last few episodes of this series. Your executive producer and host Narelle has let me take the reins on this episode, where we'll be talking about what it has been like to be the first generation of post-COVID teachers. I am joined by my fellow pre-service teachers, Lisa, Lewis, Steve and Rachel. Hi everyone. Hello. Hi. It is lovely recording with you all today. I am very excited to be on the other side of this madness, asking all the daunting questions. First, I'll begin by asking you all, when did you start your degrees? For me, just uh, it was just before uh, all the lockdowns began, so it was like 2021. I started studying again just as we went into our first major lockdown, so March 2020. I was initially studying an arts degree and then I picked up the, the teaching uh, degree of it, um, I think 2019, just before COVID. Yeah, I uh, moved down to Melbourne at the start of 2020, ready for starting at Swinburne on, on uh, like February or whatever. And then, yeah, had three weeks of classes and then, uh, yeah, back on, on into online learning. And how did you all find studying teaching amidst several lockdowns and all the school restrictions? Personally, I found it a good distraction. Um, With my job, it was pretty, at the time, unstable with events being postponed uh, or cancelled. So for me, it was just a nice way to unwind at home, distract myself from the real world problems that are happening around as well. Um, Yeah. Um, for me, it was, I had to be really careful with my timing. Um, I had three children at home who were also doing home learning and so trying to work around their schedules. I'd often have to be really um, tight with my schedule to make sure that I got everything that I needed done uh, during the day too. I think I did my first placement in October 2020. 
And so we were kind of in and out of lockdowns then. But what I found was that the students had an appreciation for the space once they were there. And they missed their friends and they were pretty happy to be in the classroom. So there was a, a sense of optimism when you were in the class, at least, which was nice. Yeah, I'd, I'd found it uh, initially when I moved down, I tried to find work in early childhood and I um, sort of uh, I'd interviewed at a bunch of places and I was actually finding it quite tricky. And then when we go into the lockdowns, I was actually then able to find work and it was uh, nice to have a, some continuity because I had an excuse to leave the home all of a sudden. I could, you know, well, yeah, get a bus or whatever. And um, so it was nice, a uh, part of like my routine, it sort of became. So Lewis, Steve and Lisa, you began your degree pre-COVID. How did you view the occupation of teaching before you began? I suppose what pulled me into it was the the kind of service to society aspect of it. Like the difference between, you know, a lot of people I know that went into business and I'm not sure what like morally is pulling them along or like motivating them to do their work. But when you're a teacher, you have this strong sense of purpose and you know that you're offering something to the world and that without that job, the... I don't know, that your little community is a little bit less uh, well off for it. Um, yeah, that aspect of like working with the the students actively in, in the classroom and um, guiding them not just through school but life. I suppose um, like it's hard to really know. I, I don't think my um, perception has shifted dramatically but it was a sort of uh i suppose a touch more naive at least pre-covid and and it's since you know it it is a reminder of just how much the world around you does impact on what you're doing Um, yeah Yeah, i actually did you're right i did start my degree pre-covid i totally realized that i got my start date wrong um (laughs) yeah i think for me initially i went into it because i i felt like um teaching had a really big responsibility for our younger generation and I think you know we've I've had a chat with um, Rachel about this uh, earlier in the week where there's always one teacher I think from our childhood that remember that we remember that has had a, a big influence on us um, and, and that's certainly the case to me as well um, and so yeah I think it's just the responsibility to teach our younger generation and, and thinking about more than yourself when you're in a classroom and you're particularly having a bad day it's like you, you've still got however many students that are looking to you you know, to learn and to challenge them. Um, yeah, that's it for me. And Rachel, you began during COVID. How did you view the career of teaching before you enrolled yourself? And what made you want to sign up to this career during such a turbulent time for teachers and when education was evolving at such a rapid pace? Good question. Um, Pre-COVID, I viewed the teaching industry as a stable career and one I could imagine myself eventually stepping into. It was actually during our first lockdown where I began to question my career in events, as during this time events were being postponed or cancelled and work was sporadic. I kept hearing that teachers were in demand all across Australia and began looking into study and then six months later I was enrolled at Swinburne. For me the decision was initially based around wanting a career and lifestyle change, but now I'm beginning to realise that the skills required for teaching align with my core values. Wonderful. And when you all started your professional experience, did you find those original expectations before you went into your degree and your views of teaching? Were they met or did you feel like you had a different experience?
I think uh, during my first placement, the the mentor teacher I had was so um, was a pretty young teacher, I think in his twenties, and he was just so happy about his job and um, kind of he imparted that sense of optimism on me, talking about how the the conditions of the job were really nice, the the parents are nice to him, he does get to. Um, enjoy his holidays unlike a lot of the the old teachers who say oh you'll work for every every week of those holidays um he was just so optimistic and and and, and happy about it that um it, it really contrasted the i don't know some of the more negative things that people say about teaching it was it was really nice For me, my first placement was a bit of a shock, to be completely honest. Um, I think mainly because I was at a childcare centre. So straight away, it was in a group that I wasn't overly interested in pursuing at such a young age. Um, but as I've gone into my second placement at a you know a Queensland primary school in a year level being year two, where I'm more interested in focusing on that age range, um, it's definitely been a nice surprise uh, and a really good change. And yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. and. I'm excited to go through, um, the, like going to other placements in the future where the children, you know, are getting older as well and seeing their abilities, um, and then deciding which year I want to focus on down the track. Great, Rachel and Lewis, do you think the role of the teacher and society's expectation of what a teacher is meant to be is changing? Yes, I think teachers of today's society have a bigger role to play, aside from just educating the future generation. We wear many hats, whether this is being a mentor for students or someone they feel safe turning to when they're vulnerable. I think teaching is one of those jobs that uh, people realised was really important during the, the pandemic. Like your, your grocery store workers, your doctors, your nurses um, and, and teachers, that the job was quite hard during lockdowns and that they provide such a service societally that time spent even just like looking after your kids during the day was such a crucial element to a lot of parents' lives to have the time to to do everything else that they need to do. So I feel like teachers have gained a little bit more respect over the pandemic. And Steve and Lisa, how do you believe the shift to online learning has impacted our younger and early year students who haven't yet quite developed that stronger digital literacy? I feel like it perhaps um, serves to reproduce some of the like structural inequalities and imbalances we have in our, our sort of society and our like cultural like modes of being and that like if parents who have more time to interact and support their children probably only you know, that effect is sort of increased, whereas working parents or struggling parents, um, their children are probably impacted harsher because they've got less access to their parents' time as well as, you know, resources and all sorts of things. So it probably just served to highlight discrepancies in, you know, access to education that already exist. Um, I think for me it was... Um I kind of went into with the online learning thing thinking that, that our young children were very, very aware of, of how technology worked. I mean, you see younger and younger children, you know, playing on iPads and their iPhone, uh, their parents' iPhones and things. So I, I kind of had this expectation that 
that they'd be quite okay with it and manage, you know, Zoom calling and things like that quite well. Um, seeing it from a parent's perspective though, I mean, I didn't have any of my placements online. Um, so seeing it from the parent's perspective where I had young children that were expected to sit in front of the teacher, um, just get up and walk off midway through a lesson <laughs> because they didn't understand what was required of them. They didn't understand that they needed to sit there and actually do their work and participate in group discussion. Um, so that was quite interesting to see their perspective that they couldn't, you know, that it wasn't the same thing as a classroom where they could move about and, and still be heard and participate. Uh, so that was quite interesting for me. Now this one I would like to open up to everyone. While schools are adapting and changing to COVID, do you believe teaching degrees should also be reconfigured? Um. Uh, like it's something that seems like the unis are st uh, trying to adjust to is like having more and more focus on digital literacy skills for us as pre-service teachers but it I think there's still like a, a bit of a divide between what skills you might actually need and what sort of is actually taught because I guess every workplace is different and every you know software package they're going to use is different and their needs and etc and so I, I think it's a bit of a challenge, but that's definitely something that more and more focus could be put into. I think quite a lot of uh, university courses do a lot of uh, a lot of chalk and talk kind of teaching, um, and I can edit, so don't worry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of university courses do a lot of explicit teaching, a lot of chalk and talk kind of teaching. And during some of the, the teaching education that I've had so far, um, people have said, you shouldn't over rely on this kind of uh, explanation while they were using that kind of an explanation, which mm. is kind of <laughs> ironic. And so I'm looking forward to actually taking that on board and not, not teaching in that style. Uh, all the time and bouncing between different mediums and making a class more varied. I think that's a, actually a great point and perhaps something that is probably beneficial for the university or tertiary education across all sectors like as a whole is that you know if you think you're educators and you know how people learn then surely they're better supported not just having say content experts in um, class, like tutorial rooms or whatever but also someone who's yeah maybe like can deliver it is an also an expert in adult learning or, or something I don't mm. know it seemed but then again that's money that um, places don't often have but I know personally um, I've had a lot of conversations with um, other teachers pre-service teachers and students even um, about approaching teaching how we approach vocational learning where it is more hands-on in the environment that you will be working towards I know personally I am learning 10 times more in the classroom than I could in a uni lecture hall. So um, I've definitely been speaking to people about the possibility of remodeling um, the teaching course to be, to reflect more of like a vocational um, environment where it's definitely a lot more hands-on. Um, something along the lines of like three days at school and then two days at uni. Try and get that balance is something that I think would be worth considering. I am going to leave you all with this final question. What impact has COVID had on your own personal teaching philosophy? I 
think it um, is a reminder that we, whilst we've got access to public spaces and all these kinds of things, that we shouldn't forget they exist. You know, I, I actually was quite hopeful um, as we came out of lockdowns. You know, I would see people having picnics in the park, and it was actually amazing to see sort of communities blossom and flourish and. You know, it was like, I was like, amazing, wouldn't this be great if we could keep our, this trend up of keeping our public spaces, you know, vibrant and, you know, seeing people out and about. And then, you know, once you were actually allowed to go to people's houses, it just sort of, you know, you stop seeing people at the park and I'm like, oh, they're just, at, they're just sitting at home watching TV or at the supermarket or the shopping center or whatever, how, how dull. And, I, and so I think like in my own educational practices, I love it when we can, you know, take the children on a walk to the library or like let's go to the park and like yeah we we have these spaces and we we shouldn't yeah, be afraid of using them and i think that just not being allowed to do that not having those opportunities has really cemented in that importance for me yeah there's a strange sense of optimism as we were coming out of covid and you share you use these public spaces so much more and there was a there's actually a stronger sense of community then despite the fact that there were all these like rules that you shouldn't you know go out mm. and, and hang out in big groups but you'd actually look around and you'd see the people that you share your suburb with and you'd see what they look like, see what their families look like and, um, and what they do. And it was, it was really, really nice. And yeah, a return to that, um, that use of public space in the school system would be lovely. For me, I've become even more passionate about hands-on interactive and social learning as I find many students uh, thrive in this environment. I'm currently in the midst of planning three lessons for my year two students next week, and each of these lessons require a hands-on approach to their learning, whilst tapping into their creativity and curiosity. Um, in addition to this, that one of the science lessons I'm doing will actually see students going out in their space downstairs outside. So back to Steve and Lewis, yeah, linking that back in there. Yeah, I think for me earlier, I was very, um, concerned about making sure that I was getting my lesson planning done right and making sure that the, the children were you know meeting learning outcomes and things like that um, I think seeing the shift between um, going very quickly with lot, not a lot of notice um, teachers were having to go from in-person learning to online learning and, and there was just a lot of back and forth and last minute changes to plans and so I think for me what I've taken from this is to just be a little bit more open to the different resources around me that I can draw from uh, and not be, I guess, just thinking about what's only in the classroom that we can use, how can we make it more um, more exciting and, you know, maybe things that I wouldn't have thought of uh, prior. Well, thank you, Lisa, Rachel, Lewis and Steve. It has been an absolute pleasure and I am so excited to see what you all achieve following the conclusion of this study tour. Thank you to Narelle for trusting me to take over this episode. It's kind of been a lot like um, taking care of someone's baby, so I'm very honoured <laughs> for that privilege. Um, we have one more uh, week left in Kuching and a few more episodes coming out while we're here, so make sure to keep a lookout for those and we will see you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>